On November 13th, Felix Unger was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. That request came from... Ron and Amy. You know what I love the most about taking old cars apart? All old cars, the majority of old cars, I mean short of the engine, the transmission and stuff, but all the clips and the wires and the springs, it's like they're all things that you could find at a hardware store. The car doctor. The light will not go out. Okay. He says that the light really means nothing, just ignore it. I can't ignore it. I want it gone, but I don't know how to do that. Um, you want the light gone or your husband gone? You want the light gone. <laughs> Not the husband. I'll keep him. You I keep just him. want the light gone. Okay. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, ask, ask, ask. Here's Ronnie. Hey, hello and welcome. It's time to start your engines. Ronnie Nene and the car doctor here at the helm at 855-560-9900. Give us a shout. Give us a call. Tell us what's on your mind, what's going on with your car, your truck, whatever it is you drive. And uh, we'll do our best to solve it for you. That's what we've done these past... 27 plus years, 855-560-9900. Assisted today by the often imitated, never duplicated, no baloney, the real deal, Thomas Ray III. How are you today, Mr. Ray? Uh, well, now that it stopped snowing outside, doing much better. Yeah, well, it's. I got to tell you, snow's coming. Um, it's coming. I'm get sorry. some soap and wash your mouth yeah, out. I, you know, listen, I'm still not done with my plow installation. <laughs> you know, the uh, the plow truck is still, we're waiting for Western. I don't understand, and I, I guess we'll start the show here today, and this isn't even on your, um, I was going to say, I've given you a call list. You have a topic list now. You can pick yes. and decide where you want me to start. Um, but before we go there, I, I, you know, I had Western install the same, pl- I mean, they've done my plows for the last 18 years. And I gave them the 2019 Silverado. Hey, install a plow. Uh, it was the worst installation I ever saw. It, really? Just really wow. ugly. They ran, the, they ran the main power lead so tight over the top of the air filter housing, I'll never get it off. I'll never be able to change the filter. So when I spoke to the installer and then I spoke to Western, I, you know, it's like a government operation. Nobody knows what's going on. And the answer I got was, well, we haven't seen a lot of 2019s. Well, that's not my problem. Yeah, you adapt and make it work. Uh, right. Either that or design something that works. I don't want to hear how every truck is different. We've got to manufacture something specific. No, that's not what this is about. So the bottom line is the plow truck's still not ready. I'm gonna... And therefore, I know why it started snowing before, right. because the plow truck's not ready. Right. If I get the plow truck ready, then we'll be okay. Yep. Um, so we'll get but, it done. Uh, Let's go. Neither, neither here nor there. I'll do the show. You go work on the plow truck. Yeah. Boy, I'll tell you what. i got to find the time to do that. I did work on the Monte Carlo this week. I'm, I'm determined I'm going to get that car out in the spring. I've had it a year now, and I just want to drive it. I, I really miss driving that car. And this week, there was a little... I think when it was sitting in the barn in Texas, there was... I think, it, you know, it looks like somebody put a uh, spilled a drop of brake fluid, something really caustic on the left rear quarter panel. And it really made an ugly mark in the paint and a little bit of persistence. And, you know, Tom, it was like therapy. I sat there at lunchtime this week, and I got the spot, and I I just, a little bit of rubbing compound, and I kind of oozed it into the wound. And then I took a little bit of 2,000 grit sandpaper, and I kind of wet dry sanded a little bit, just a little bit of wet sanding and wet sanding. And I got it down, and it just, unfortunately, the, 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 the damage is just touching the primer. 
So you know, I can't. But I did get all the I did get all the roughness out, and you can see it's it's funny. It looks like a little chicken wishbone. There's like a little chicken wishbone badge on the on the left rear quarter panel of the car. So now we're going to talk. I'm talking to the body guy, and we're trying to come up with how do we match 50 year old paint, and maybe do a little spotting in, and just kind of rub it back into gold. I, I tell you, is it, is it, it, a car that old? Does that have? Uh they have clear coat paint back then, or is this just regular old paint? This is regular old paint. Okay, that's yeah. not too bad. Yeah, then. there's no. I don't believe there's clear on this car. Um, but you know, the problem is you don't want to push on it too hard because there's actually places where the paint, not huge, but just a couple little spots where the paint is sort of falling off. It's losing. It's uh, 1972 was uh, you know 40 something years ago. Um, it's not sticking anymore. It's not sticking anymore. It's it's you know, uh, but it is amazing. How 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 all together that car is. I, I've been looking at the market and trying to figure out, you know, do I want to buy a parts car? Because I'm kind of looking for a parts car, 72 Monte Carlo. Because some of the things are are getting harder and harder to find. I can't find a grill. Yeah, there was one guy. I, you know, I just I just you know, gee, do, can I just buy a new grill? I figured somebody would have stamped a grill by now. If not that, not even a junkyard. Um, yeah, there's just and the issue becomes. I realized why. A 72 Monte Carlo grill is unique unto itself, so it's a one-year design. Now, the the really strange thing is I've looked through all the books, Eckler's, Classic Industries, I, you know, I, I mean, you, you name it, I've looked through it. They've got grills in there for Chevelles. You can get grills for 63 Chevy Impalas. You can get grills for 67 uh, Chevy Two Novas. I'm like, how many of those cars can be left? But this may be the answer. I was looking at numbers last night. They only made a, roughly 185,072 Monte Carlos, which isn't a whole heck of a lot. So how many have survived up to this point? They may never. They never, They may just not stamp a grill for it. Um, you know. But it's it's just it would be nice to have a spare or something I could send out to get chromed while I'm sure you know trying to. So. Mr. Ray, in front of you, our our new feature here on the Car Doctor. We're trying to do this every week to see if it works. You have a sheet. Actually, I have an envelope. Hang on a minute. Oh. Okay. okay, I've opened it. Okay. What does it say? Mama Marcazo. Marquezo. Marquezo. It sounds like a uh, sounds like a good restaurant. Uh, no, but you're close. What else you got on that sheet? Um, Jesus and the Toyota. Well, now I now I know what he saved for. Hey, Jesus and the Toyota. Oh, oh, sorry about that. That's okay. And plastics is the future. Which one do you want to hear first? Let's hear about Mama. Okay. Mom, Mom, it's always good to talk about Mama. So, Mama Marquezo, true story. This happened this week at the shop. Mama Marquezo drives a 2005 Saturn with just about 31,000 miles on it. Not a lot of miles. And Mama Marquezo, she's probably she's probably 89. Maybe she's close to 90 years old now. Short little Italian mama, right? You know, hair in a bun. I think that's where she hides the meatballs, the apron. You know, she's always she always looks like she just came out of the kitchen. She's a real sweet little old lady. All right? She drives this 2005, 2004 Saturn, whatever it is, SL2. Um, you know, but this is her car. It's got less than 30 grand on it. For the last four or five months, she's been having this issue where it would intermittently go into a no-start. She'd turn the key, she'd have dash lights, and nothing would happen. She brought the car by one day to talk to me about it, and it's, it's you know, Mama Marquezo's a little excitable, um, and I had to, you know, calm her down a little bit and explain, listen, the next time it happens, 
call me. Because I, I know Mama Marquesa for a couple of years now. We inherited her from another shop. She's actually the mother of a buddy of mine. We go to cruise nights together. And I would, you know, obviously I would watch out for her. She's a customer. She's an elder. You want to take care of the elders, but she's Paul's mom. And, you know, on, on that basis, you want to take care of her too. And I've noticed that, you know, Mama Marquesa is slowing down a little bit. And I had something in the back of my mind as to what the cause of this very intermittent, very random no start could be. I'm thinking maybe it's not just the vehicle that's doing it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it, I waited. And finally this week, Mama Marquezo called me. And the car was in a no crank, no start situation. Dash lights only coming up. Mama, take the car, put your foot on the brake. Shift it out of park, put it into neutral, and slam it back into park again as hard as you can. And she didn't understand why, and I said, just do it. And she did it. She reached down, she turned the key, car started right up. Mamma mia, you're a miracle. You know, the whole nine yards. Well, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to be a miracle worker, I'm just trying to fix the car. And she said, why did it do that? Why did the car start? I have to tell you here on, on radio, I, I kind of lied to Mama because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I told her, I said, well, the neutral safety switch is probably out of adjustment. And by doing what you did, you've cleaned the contacts and it'll start. If it does it again, do that again. And if it continues to happen on a regular basis, then we'll think about it and talk about it. We'll come up with a solution. We'll find a part. She hung up. She left. She was happy. She got to go home with her groceries. Probably to make meatballs. So I saved Mama Marquezo. But the real question is, what really went on there? And here's the deal. Mama Marquezo, she's getting a little older. And I've, I've watched her, you know. She's slowing down. She doesn't walk as fast as she once did. She doesn't have the arm strength that she once did. All right? And I often think about this with seniors, the elders. You know, when is it going to become a problem? The car is now, it's a 2005. The car is almost 14 years old. doesn't have a lot of miles on it. I doubt the switch is worn out. I think mama's arthritis is catching up to her, and she doesn't have the ability to bang, throw it into gear as hard as it once did, and she's just about making park, and it just kind of eases its way in, and then it goes into this no-star condition because the switch doesn't trip all the way through. And I didn't tell her what the real reason was because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. You know what? It's tough to tell somebody you're getting old. You've got to take care of the elders, and that's, that's really the important part. Her son called me yesterday afternoon, as a matter of fact. He wanted to thank me because Paul, Paul and I know each other way back, and he said, hey, thanks for watching out for Mama. And, um, you know, what happened? And I explained it all to him. And he said, oh, it needs a neutral safety switch. And I said, you know, Paul, I don't think so. And I, I explained to him how I've noticed. And he says, yeah, you're right. Mom is kind of slowing down a little bit. And I said, yeah. I said, I don't think she's got that bang when she, you know, that movement i don't think her arm's going all the way forward anymore at the speed and i said i don't think she's catching it in the park gate i said but i'm not going to be the one to tell her that i said you're the son that's your job he said you're right thank you very much and that's a story about mama marquesa so i got her out of the supermarket without even going out there we know the saturn probably doesn't need a switch but if it does i can find one i've already got one lo located because saturns are getting hard to find parts for and um paul's going to talk to mama because at 89 you know, maybe we should spend more time, you know, 
more time not driving and in uh, not so dangerous situations. So sometimes you have to know your customer before you can fix the car. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's uh, get on over and talk to, um, let's go talk to Tim in Florida, 2014 Toyota RAV4, and see what's going on here. Tim, you're out with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, how's it going, Ron? Good, sir. What's going on? Um, Good. Uh, So, I called two weeks ago about the U-joints on the F-150, just a heads up that actually worked. Okay, cool. Um, I changed them out, and it works great now. Much good. better. Good, but, good, good. Um, my fiance is driving this RAV4, and I went to drive it. She didn't notice it until I pointed it out when I was driving it. Um, when you brake real slow, almost like when you come off the gas pedal, you go right to your brake, immediately as soon as you press the brake, you hear a pop noise. It sounds like it's coming from the rear end. It sounds like it's coming from the rear uh, driver's side, but I can't really tell 100% where it's coming from. I've just never really heard of a pop noise associated to a break. Is it a is it a pop, Tim? Do you think, or is it more like a clatter? Is it? A, it's one specific sound. It's like, not like a grinding or anything like that. It's just like no, it sounds, yeah, no. I don't think I don't. I'm not chasing a grind here. Uh, is it? Is it like a? Is it like a? Like that? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much what it sounds like. Yeah. And and the car stops normal. Yeah, the brakes feel fine. Everything feels okay. She just had it serviced at the dealership, and they looked at her brakes, and they said her brakes were fine. Okay. Uh, How many miles are on the car? 90,000. All right. Are they the original brakes? Have they been done once? They must have been been done. done. Yeah, they must have been done, right? Yeah. You know, does she, has she noticed this? Is this something new? I mean, can she give us any kind of time frame? How long it's, um, you know, how long it's been? So to speak, well, she, has, she didn't even she didn't even notice it. She didn't even notice until I drove it. Um, and then when I drove it, I mean, I've driven it a lot before. Like within, it had to have been within maximum about two to three months since I've driven that car. And then I drove it, and I started noticing it okay. when I was pulling into a parking spot. You know, when when you're attacking something like this, determining where it's coming from is the key. So obviously we're yeah. look, we're looking in the right place. You know, is this a four door Rav? Yes, four door. So if she were to drive, and you sat in the back seat, and I always like to move around a vehicle when I'm chasing a noise that's hard to pin down because sometimes you know maybe if you're driving it and you hear it from the driver's seat, maybe it sounds different in the passenger seat, maybe it sounds different in the back. And it it gives, okay. it gives you uh, you know I always do that I'll always you know Danny will drive around the we'll drive around town and you know, I'll be in the back in the front left right you know you're you're just moving around if it consistently sounds like it's the left rear then it's the left rear so okay. noise plays havoc with you that's number one number two does it matter how hard you step on the brake pedal can can you reproduce it with the same whether you step on it hard or whether you step on it light. Okay. All right. I don't, I've always, like, when you're going high speed, like interstate, and then you press the brake, it won't do it. It'll only do it if you're going slow speeds. Okay. Like pulling into a parking spot. Okay. 
So it's 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 a parking lot maneuver kind of a kind of a noise. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, obviously, I'd want that car on a drive-on lift just to see if anything's loose in the suspension. And and this is a common mistake I think a lot of guys make if they're if they're checking that car. You know, if you're checking that car on on a lift where you're raising it by the by the pinch weld so the the suspension hangs free, that mm-hmm. that's an unloaded. You've unloaded the suspension now. If there's something loose in the suspension, you'll never see it. You'll it's it's rare that you'll find it. You have to be in a loaded position. Uh, you know, so okay. a, a drive-on rack would tell us wonders here, and I would just feel comfortable. Do I have a shock that's starting to loosen up? Do I have something in one of the suspension cross links that's starting to loosen up? Ninety thousand miles isn't the end of the life, but you're approaching midlife on that car. You know, they'll go they'll go 200,000 miles, so to do a thorough suspension check, it's really got to be done in a loaded position, whether they okay. put the car on jack stands somehow under the control arms if they can do that, or whether they do it on a drive-on rack. That's number two. Number three, I take a very, if you, if you decide that it's the left rear or the right rear, whichever brake assembly it is, you know, they look at the pads. Did anybody physically put their hands on the caliper? Did anybody wiggle it to see if it's loose? Did anybody double-check the mounting bolts for the caliper or the bracket? And I, and I realize it, it, it just happens in parking lot maneuvers, but we are talking brakes, and, you know, we want to see what, just, just peace of mind. All right? Yeah. Okay? And then number four, you know, if everything's tight, Everything checks out. There's nothing loose. The bolts are, you know, everything's where it's supposed to be as, as God intended it. Then let's take the caliper off, and let's just, you know, pull the pads off. Make sure the pads have enough uh, lubricant on the caliper slot. Um, silicon lubricant, you know, you'll see like that clear silicon lubricant. A lot of guys call it the goop. We use the stuff from AC Delco. I don't remember the part number, but it's a nice, clean, clear lubricant, and it works really well. Um uh, you know, let's, Are you talking about like the anti-seize that you put on the back of the brake pad to keep it from sticking? Yeah, that kind of stuff. But that should actually be a slide lubricant as well. Let's make sure the pads okay. have enough slide lubricant on them and that they can, um, you know, move. And it's not a, it's not digging a groove in the caliper guide. And we'll go from there. Call me back. I'm Ron and Annie in the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter: getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, cruising along and uh, kind of making it work as we uh, continue to muddle through this hour and talk to you about your car and its problems. Yes, Mr. Ray, you had a um, you had a question or a comment? Mm, no, not at um, the moment. Okay. I thought you were waving at me. Um, yeah. Uh, Hi. How you doing? Okay. See you. Just checking. Leaving. Sure Bye. You wake, you wake <laughs> over there? Um, let's go and talk to Bob up in Ware, Mass. See what's going on here. Bob, you're there. Welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yes. I have a 1991 Toyota Camry. Uh, and I, um, the, it's all paint. It's, it's all, it's sun baked and sun faded. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I was talking to one guy cause I was going to get a paint job for, cause I wanted to put it in parades and all that. Cause it's a nice car. Right. 
You know, uh, and, 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 and you know what? I'm, I'm sitting here doing the math. Ninety-one, two thousand one, two thousand eleven. Uh, that car's over 25 years old. I think it's now considered an antique. You can actually go to cruise nights. Yes, I can. Yeah. But I don't want to do it looking the way it does. Okay. I mean, it doesn't, it's not sharp. You know, it, it just don't look good. I mean, I pull over there and people would laugh because it's 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 sun-faded. Right. Are so you... what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to figure out a way to paint it. Well, now, one guy says it'll cost about ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. For a paint job, a good paint job, and I believe it. I oh believe yeah, it, it probably you know, will. The body work and the, and the I do it all, but I ain't got fifteen thousand dollars to pay for a paint job. Right. Well, what kind of money? Yeah. Did, what kind of money did you want to spend? As little as I can. Well, so you're like the rest of the country, um, but from a practical point of view, there's got to be some kind of budget here, Bob. Uh, you know, it, it's it's you know. Paint jobs. Listen, nothing nothing says it more than this. But you get what you pay for when it comes to a paint job. You know, it's it's hard to make a two thousand dollar paint job look like twenty grand, or ten grand, yeah, or fifteen well, I grand. That. So, you know, it's there's a lot of time and prep. Have you gotten any actual written estimates? No, no, right. I haven't. Well, that would. Probably but I was the... wondering. I got if I get some of that renew, uh, maybe I could. Do it halfway decent, look halfway decent? Well, listen, what do you, think? It, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to try some of these revitalization products, whether it be for the paint or mechanical, but you've got to decide, you know, what's 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 the negative, all right? You know, if, if we tried using some of this Renew to bring the paint job back to life, you know, what's the negative? What could it hurt? And you don't know until you try. I would pick a small corner of the car. So that, you know, one step at a time, and I think I know what this yeah. product is. I think this product's going to try and it's going to buff up. But the question I've got is, does this paint have clear coat on it? Is the clear coat? I, I really don't. I don't know. I right. Really is, is, is there clear coat damage? Is, is there spots? You know, you're talking about body work. What kind of body work needs to be done? Because Oh, well, I've got a, there's a lot of body work that's going to be done. And I'm, I'm not a body man. So I'm going to try Mickey Mouse as much as I can. Okay, you know? so so wait a minute now, uh, can I? And I'm not picking on you, all right. I'm just trying to point out. It doesn't matter whether it's a '91 Camry or a '65 Chevelle or you know uh, a '71 Dodge Dart. You're you're trying yeah. to take it. You know this is your hot rod, right? What do you? Would right. you this is your hot rod, and right. you're you're trying to do this, and and you're approaching this restoration in a very common manner that leads to a lot of mistakes you know okay what am i doing wrong i let me know how i can get it right well you haven't talked to a professional yet to get an actual cost on what it would take to make the car look right from a paint and bodywork point of view because i'm sitting okay. here i'm sitting here behind the microphone i'm envisioning this 91 camry that needs bodywork that you know maybe has a little bit of rust going on it's 20 something 28 years old and i'm thinking that you're going to pour some stuff on the paint and try and bring it back to a shine over bumps and crinkles and and and, and dents and and so forth, um, you know we're going to take it look like, uh, you know what's the expression? You know you're going to you're going to make it look like a shiny dented up tight ninety one Camry instead of a, a dull yeah. faded yeah, paint that's job. Not what I want. Yeah, that's not that's what you not want. What want yeah. That's not what you want. Um, you got a body shop in town? Yes. All right. One I go to very often. Why don't you go? Talk I don't really to talk too much about it, but yeah. you know. Why don't you go talk to him? He's the professional. Um, okay. You know, why don't you go talk to him and, and just say, hey, listen, what would it take to paint this? And and listen to what they say, because they're going to talk yeah. about painting the jams. They're going to talk about, 
you know, painting around the edges, under the hood. I mean, paint repair is expensive. I don't know that it's going to be quite ten grand on a on a ninety one Camry, but it'll be a good couple of three four thousand dollars, I'm sure. Now the bodywork. Well, the... uh, yeah, I just spent uh, six seven hundred dollars on my Toyota. I mean my Subaru. I've got two vehicles, and my hot rod and my my Subaru. And I just cost me six hundred bucks, and he did a fantastic job. And what did he do? He he painted the whole Subaru. No, I had a few. I had a couple of dents and a couple of, uh, you know, and then I had a slight accident with it, so he had to replace that, and uh, he had to replace the fender and stuff like that. Okay. And well, he did a fantastic job. Then he's the guy to go talk to because you know you, you're going to start. You know, cheap gets cheap. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. And you're exactly. gonna, you're going to end up with a car that you're going to be disappointed in, and you'll be you'll you're just not going to be happy driving it. So, yeah. all right, sir. All right. You um you you get to a body shop and get some professional estimates, and uh, I think you'll be happier in the long run. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Bob. Um. Yeah. Nothing settles. Nothing looks worse than trying to. What's the expression from Christine? You can't polish a turd. Um, and you can't put lipstick on a pig. Right. You know, it's, it's, it still looks like a pig when you're done. Uh, so, you know, by all means. Let's pull over and take a pause. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie, the car doctor, coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Annie, the car doctor. Let's get on over and talk to Rob in Louisiana. Rob, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, I hope you can. I uh, okay. bought a 93 Camaro with the 5.7. All right. That is a fuel pump and a fuel filter. Replaced that. Had it running. Got some tires on it. It wouldn't start and stay running after that. After I got it running, it idled at 2,500 RPM. Said it was the TPS. Went ahead and changed that. Reset the computer go through the same thing all over again. Okay, so what what fault code is it coming up with, Rob? 21, uh, 22? 22. 22, okay. Um, when you look at, do you have the ability to read throttle position sensor voltage? Do you have a scan tool that reads OBD1? I do not have a scan tool, but I did check with the voltmeter. Okay, what'd you have? On the, on the dark blue wire, the center pin, pin C, um, what'd you have? Do you remember what voltage you had? Uh, I know it had the ground. I know it had 5-volt reference, and I know it was sending back the uh, inspect signal for where the TPS was. I have all that, and I did compare everything. Okay. So, so, and it should have been under a volt is is what we're looking for, and usually they were around seven, eight tenths. Sometimes they were a little high um, uh, or a little higher than that. Um, you know, so you're, you're on track. Now, you checked it where? You checked it at the throttle position sensor? I checked it at the base of the computer. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Um, uh, and you went through, um, I'm sorry, you said you went through a TPMS reset? No, I did not. Um, but I did pull the battery and let the computer Okay, reset. that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, uh, that's what I'm talking about. So explain something to me. Was this car sitting for a length of time? I believe so i'm pretty sure i don't know much of the history about the car okay so because it sounds like it sounds like you got to it and um it, I, i'm just trying to decide it just it sounds like you got to it 
and it, it had been sitting. You said you put a fuel pump and something else in it? A filter, yes. Okay. Because um, code 22 is it's detecting an open in the throttle position sensor circuit. Okay. All right. So that's what a 22 is, uh, from my memory. 21 was a shorted sensor. 23 means the sensor wasn't calibrated. But 22 wasn't open. So, you know, it'd be nice, it'd be nice to see what the computer is seeing via a scan tool. But we'll have to make it work without it. All right, stupid questions. We have to ask these. Are you sure you're on the right blue wire at the PCM? Uh, yes. I read the diagram from all data. I grabbed the right. There's four connectors. I grabbed the right one with the right color, matched the numbers. Okay. If and you, I did a, a continuity test on all of them, too. All right. To make and, sure. it, and if you unplug the TPS, if you unplug the TPS, that voltage goes away at the PCM. It should. Which could. I have not, I have not tried that specifically. Yeah, you could. Right, I mean, you always yeah. could, um, but if you're reading the same now, are you reading the same voltage at the TPS as at the PCM? And you should be. Yes. Okay. You and you, but you don't remember what that number is. Was it under a volt? Uh, it was reading about point four five at uh, closed, and it was like four point three at wide open. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what it should be. Um, I'd like to see, see, and here's where I'd love to see a scan tool, because I'd like to see how the computer's interpreting it. Because if that's correct, if you've got five volts, if you've got five volts ground and correct signal back and it passes a sweep test, it, it, it almost sounds like you're heading towards a PCM, that internally the PCM isn't interpreting the data correctly. And that's what I was right. thinking. I just didn't want to... Yeah. I mean, that's the only logical, the it would be, right, it would be nice if we could see how's the PCM interpreting this, um, you know, because there is no there is no other assumption that can be made, you know. Um, how about we jump on eBay and buy an older cheap use uh, shop scan tool, right? You're going to keep the car okay. for, you're going to keep the car for a length of time. I don't know, but I got a truck that needs OBD1, so I know I need to get one. Right. What kind of, what kind of truck? Uh, 91 Toyota pickup. All right, um, 91. I'm trying to think. 91. Yeah, you'll need you'll need so you'll need the connectors that are going to go in the connector under the under the uh, under the hood. Um, your your diagnostic connector is under the hood, if I remember right, in 91. Yes. Uh, so you're going to need boy, you're going to need Asian, you're going to need Asian and domestic. You know, if they're still out there, it was a pretty good tool in its day, and they're cheap. Snap-on brick, you know the red the red brick with the two cartridges. You could okay. you could probably find that for under five hundred bucks today. Nobody really uses them. Um, they're really good in the old school application. And the nice thing about them was that they usually had built-in diagnostics, so they would you know they would give you code description and they would give you common failures of the day. All right, you know, so okay. if it was a, if it was a twenty one or a twenty two, it would tell you, hey, twenty two could be this, twenty two could be that. It kind of gave you know, it was a troubleshooter, had built in troubleshooting. So um, let me give you my let me give you my email, even though I'm not supposed to do this. Tom yells at me every time I do this, but I just like to fix cars. Um, Ron at cardoctorshow dot com, c a r d o c t o r show dot com. Um, after you get a, after you get a reading on a scan tool, 
Um, you know, if you could show me TPS voltage, there'll be something in there called IAC counts, IAC. Usually, I think, I think it says just that, IAC counts. See where the okay. IAC, see where the IAC counts are? IAC counts are how far open or closed the um, idle or control motor is. All right? Mm. And if it's, is it idling at two grand, Rob? Yes, and it's, it's pulling it all through the IAC. Okay. So have you tried pulling the IAC out and setting it to the closed position to see if you can bring the idle down? I have not. I did replace it when I pulled the throttle body because of where it was, and I didn't know the history of everything. But. Right, right. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Because the other, the other thing I'm thinking about is I wonder if the IAC is stuck and it's giving us an erroneous 22. Okay. All right. Um, but see, here's where I'd like to see where the IAC counts are. If the IAC counts are... You know, if the IAC counts are 75, then that tells me it's open. Um, you know, it's it's something doesn't make sense here, and I just need more information. Okay. You know, uh, so let's. I, I I think you're gonna need a scan tool anyway if you're gonna hang on to this car. It sounds like you got it out of a barn and you're gonna start driving it. So um, let's start. Let's buy some diagnostic tools and we'll go from there. Okay. All right. You send me an email. Um, if you could send me a what I was going to say was if you can send me a screenshot of some of the PIDs, some of the data, and then I can talk to you a little bit easier. Okay. All right. Kiddo. Reference. Reference. We spoke here on the show. All right. I'll do what I can for you, brother. No problem. All right. Take good Thank care. You. You're welcome. Bye bye. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The car doctor's coming back right after this. You know, I'm sitting here looking at this list, and it says plastics is the future. Now, weren't they telling us that in the 1940s and 1950s? Well, actually, they told us that in the 60s with um, uh, The Graduate. So ah. I, I guess you want to know the story about the plastics is the future. Yes, I do. Of course, that was at the beginning of the show, so actually this story is now an hour old, so it's not necessarily the future because the future is now. Had a 2011 Chevy Cruze come into the shop this week, and it had a lean fault code. It had, it had three or four fault codes. It had a turbo boost fault error message. It had a map sensor error message. It had a lean fuel condition, um, and it had a couple other just really off-the-wall fault codes that made no sense. Where do I go? I go to the old barometer, right? The one PID that I like to look at more than anything, fuel trim. Fuel trim at idle was plus 35%. This car was adding 35% more fuel off base than it was programmed for. Off idle, when you drive it around town, short-term fuel trim would drop down. Long-term fuel trim would creep down, but not necessarily get anywhere near where it was supposed to be. This car had a vacuum leak at idle took the engine cover off, and on top of the valve cover, there's a, bl there's a black plastic disc, which is the PCV orifice on this particular car. It's plastic cast right into the valve cover. They're making a one-piece composite valve cover with a plastic PCV valve on this 11 Chevy Cruze with a 1.4. There was a crack in the orifice, and it was creating a vacuum leak and setting all the false trouble codes and creating all kinds of issues with drivability. Replace the valve cover. Really gorgeous valve cover, bolts, hardware, everything, under 75 bucks, and the car's fixed. Plastic is the future. They can make it really dirt cheap. Welcome to the world of 3D printing. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.